can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So on today's episode, we have quite a funny, cringy combo coming up. Well, we think it's funny anyway. We can tell you more about that shortly. And then we have a guest to talk about pigmentation. Yes, which, this um, is a big concern. Yes, including mm-hmm. for myself. Yep. And of course, the products we didn't know we needed. So... <laughs> This is like, I feel like this is probably the best thing you've ever suggested that we do. But I have to clarify, it wasn't me who suggested it. It was one of my friends who suggested that we do this segment. Yeah. So this segment is called The Weird Shit Your Family Does. (laughs) (laughs) More so the weird shit that your family does that you don't realise is weird until someone tells you it's weird. Which I thought was hilarious because I knew you would have. Oh my heaps. god, we have so we, my family has so many. I couldn't weird think things. of that many. And by the way, they're things. going to be really annoyed about me doing this. <laughs> um, but I want to start with some one that isn't beauty related yeah. because this really like sums up my family. So on my parents' first date, they realised that neither of them they were at a restaurant and neither of them ate mushrooms or seafood. Weirdly, they're the two things yeah, they both don't eat. Random. And so basically now my whole family, the five of us, we don't eat seafood and mushrooms. So when we go to restaurants, we literally do the whole order and then my mum stops and goes, no mushroom, no seafood in anything. Wow. So that's just well, like. Well, that's, that's probably where you get it from. Every time I go to a oh restaurant my God, with Hannah. Oh, my God, she's so embarrassed. She's <laughs> like, I'm very. And then when she like, we, she has to give my dietary requirements for an event, she actually says, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it's embarrassing. It's, such a, it's vegetarian, no mushrooms, no seafood. But you also don't like um, cucumber, is it? Cucumber, eggplant, tofu, yeah. mushroom. It's very yeah. challenging because yeah. <laughs> I don't have any dietary did I, requirements. Did I tell you I once went, my mum sent me to a dietitian and the dietitian said to me, um, I'm a quote selfish eater oh as in i I only eat the foods that i want to eat well that's fair (laughs) enough isn't it (laughs) i thought so doesn't is is everyone a selfish eater or are you eating Mm. foods you don't like i don't know am i a selfish eater because i like sweets no, selfish eater would be like you're like, I refuse to eat that because I don't like it. I anyway. don't think it's a technical <laughs> medical term. Let's get a dietitian on later on. Yes. Um, so I had a few funny ones, but they kind of weren't beauty related. So I called my sister-in-law last night because <sighs> when someone new comes into your family, not that she's new, she's been around for a long time, um, but when someone comes into your family, they see the inner workings of it and the weird shit that you do. So the number one thing that she said was the way that we sing happy birthday. (laughs) So I don't know how this started, but we have this thing where when we start singing happy birthday, we started off by really like elongating the ha (laughs) and we do it for like, I shit you not, like a whole minute and then it goes into happy birthday. I'm what? I don't know why, but she was like, the first time I heard that, I thought something was happening in my brain <laughs> because I didn't understand what was going on. And we just did it normally. I didn't, like, think it was weird. So that's actually real. So happy birthday. Keep going. Oh, keep going. Yeah, longer than that. Wait, 
tell me when. Yeah. Ha- it's, I'm, I'm not kidding. I should get my brother to Who do it. Who made this up? I have no idea. I oh reckon God, it was my middle bizarre. brother, but I don't know. It's been going on for a very long time. And you also call, um, oh, now this is more beauty related. Yeah. You call a washcloth wash? A face washer. A, a flannel? Wash? Yeah, it's a UK thing. Oh, um, like okay. British people call a face washer a flannel and my family called it a flannel, but nobody no, at school it, knew what a flannel like, was when oh, I said you- that. Like I wash my face with a flannel. They'd be like, what? <laughs> and you've got one more. Um, I actually have one more that I haven't told you about. Oh, my God. No, then two more because I love yeah. the farting one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so another rule in our family, our laundry is like very close to our dining table. And so if you had to fart, you had to go in the laundry if you were eating dinner we at the dinner all, table. We, my family, all just fart like in front of each other. <laughs> yeah, but this was a thing when you were like and kids and really, teenagers and I'm I have like, two brothers. So it was just a thing, right, like you okay. had to go into the laundry. And, okay, you haven't told me one. I'm okay. really excited. <laughs> um, so I thought of this one last night because I was trying to think of beauty-related stuff and um, I only realised this later on in life that this was really disgusting, but my family used to share bath water. Oh. Yeah. Ew. So, like, I would have a bath and then, like. As an my, adult? No, more <laughs> as, like, a teenager. But I'm pretty sure my parents still would do it. Um, but as, yeah. as kids, like we'd all be in the same bath water. Like, oh, no, that's no, we'd, no, no, no. We'd have individual baths and then right. the next person would get in the bath. So even like my parents would. <laughs> it defeats the purpose. Like you, I'd have a bath and then my mum would go and have a bath. It's like uh, you're bathing in my filth. But also the bath doesn't stay hot. No. Yeah. So they'd warm so it up. Like they'd just put a little oh, bit okay. of extra water like in. A tepid, dirty bath. Yes. <laughs> so now that I think back to that, I'm like, why did we do that? Like I get it's water saving. but Yeah, like, water saving. Yeah. So speaking of um, washing habits, mm-hmm. so my family, <laughs> or like all the girls, sit down in the shower Yes. D- so, so actually, my sister and my mum have a stool in their shower, <laughs> like a little plastic stool. Because I think <laughs> when someone said when Hannah said that yesterday in the office, someone <laughs> thought she meant they shit in the shower, <laughs> and she said stool. Someone literally turned around and go, "What?" what? And I was like, "Yeah, a stool." Yeah, and they then- just squish it down the plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we all sit down in the shower. I just sit on the like the floor. Yeah. I can't have a shower unless I sit down. Really? I literally, if I'm traveling, I feel really oh. unhappy. Oh, okay, hang on. I, wait, 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 wait. I don't one do step it. Back, one step back. <laughs> in um, hostels, do you no, sit No, okay. no. You're looking at me not. like you're lying. No, I do not. I absolutely you do better not. better not. I once was staying in a host- in a private room in a hostel, um, which is like, Almost like a hotel, same, same, but different. It's not. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was really hungover and I needed to sit down in the shower. So I got this like bit of plastic and put it down on the floor and sat down. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> another level. Um, Tamara mean, in our team said yes. that her and her sister only shower with their hands in the air. I. So they I, have their arms up in I the air as understand. they shower. Neither. I, like, I'm I need to it, see a demonstration. Like, I'm, I'm doing it now and, yeah. like, my arms would get so tired. Yeah. I don't know why, but, yeah, she said that's a thing her and her sister do. That's See, I think that's more weird than yeah. – I think sitting – okay, so this is another thing. Like, do you sit down in the shower? Because I reckon – I'm going to say I reckon a lot of people do this and they just don't, I don't talk about it. I don't think I've ever sat in the shower. 
I feel like you need to give it a go. Let's I think because I never want to wet you, my hair. Let's get you some like shower bleach. Let's disinfect it. And then my like, shower's definitely clean. Okay. <laughs> so I think if it's clean, you can sit. Oh, to be fair though, my shower's long. So I can I can lie down in the shower. Sometimes can you? I sometimes I have like, when you've got migraines. When I've got a migraine, I lie down in the shower. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I use the shampoo bottle as a pillow. <laughs> oh. Wow. I'm not joking right now. Wow. I'm, I'm so really... glad we're sharing this information. <laughs> Another one of my friends, which I don't know if you consider this week because you're very close with your family as well, but she walks into the bathroom when her brother is in the shower. So he's in his 20s. Oh, She's my age. Absolutely not. That's what I said. No, no, no. I was no, like, no. you. I, I get it if it's your sister because you're the same sex, but if it's the opposite sex, would you like walk into the bathroom? In really, <laughs> it's getting weird now. <laughs> Okay, my family's really weird. That's really weird. Yeah, that's what I said. She's like, no, it's normal for us. And I get that every family has their like different quirks, but I was like, I would never walk into the bathroom if my brother was in there. When we were little, of of course, but not when we got to teenage years. Absolutely. (laughs) And definitely not in our 20s. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we don't do that. Oh, look, my my Ruby, my sister and I would like, Okay, this is weird, but we live next door to each other in yeah. apartments. We, like, sometimes we'll leave our doors open if we're getting ready to go out together and, like, we'll just go into each other's rooms and we're getting dressed and we're naked or we're, like, showering or whatever. That's I think that's fine with that's sisters. That's fine with sisters. I, think, I don't have a sister. I don't, I've got a sister-in-law, I but I wouldn't be naked. I don't think I would do that with a brother. No. Yeah. I've got two brothers and I would not be nude in front of my brothers. <laughs> You don't have a brother. So I'm finding I, this like, I just, <laughs> this like taking this a turn taken, as most conversations do. Really taking a turn, guys. Um, so another quirky beauty habit for me is the panty liner thing. Oh, yes. That that's actually, a family that's, thing for you. That's me and my mum. And, mm-hmm. like, my mum always did it, so I always did it. Mm. And we both use the Aldi panty liners. Wow. Like, we both use it every day. And I know that if I run out of panty liners – that I can always just go grab them from her. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) Um, The other one, and I actually think this is really normal. Like I don't think this is abnormal, Mm -hmm. but um, all women in my family pluck their chin hairs on the couch. I think that depends if you have chin hairs that run in your family. And also no one cares. Like we'll do it in front of any male that's in the room. Yeah, Yeah, I would too. I wouldn't mind. And we we do this. So we all have this thing where we let go like that. And you feel it. And then you pluck it. <laughs> so it's like I if I see So can my, you not actually see it? Or you're doing it without a mirror? We don't do it with a mirror. Oh. Yeah. So we just what? do it we just do it we just do it like going going. Oh, well, I you, know what I'm getting you for your birthday. Yeah, so Magnet you, of um so, what are they called? Like magnifying, a, mirror. magnifying mirror. So what you can do is because you can feel their coarser. So you yeah. feel it and then it's you like pluck my it. grey eyebrow. Feel hair. It and then you pluck it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's another quirky beauty habit. Um Oh, and then the last one was when we were growing up, my mum called a vagina a vooge. I think everyone's mum has a word for a vagina. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's another thing you can like let us know. Like what was my your friends were saying vagina? the other day, one of their mums called it a foo-foo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. My yeah. foo-foo. There's um, heaps of names for it. Anyway, we'd really like you to share yes. your quirky family beauty habits yes. and tag us in your stories or whatever you do. Send us a DM. We really well, want to What know. I'm actually going to do, what I'd like to do is when this episode comes out, I'm going to do like on the question box on Insta stories. Mm-hmm. Please send in your quirky We really want to share them. And I want to, we're going to reshare them. Mm-hmm. Um, the quirkier, the better. I just think it gets so funny. Like when I was talking 
talking about this with my friend who suggested we did this yeah. um, episode. It's funny the things you don't realize other people think about your family. Like she said to me when we were little, she was really jealous that um, I always had made up cordial in our fridge. Because oh, we yeah. lived across the road from each other and she was always jealous that she didn't have cold cordial. And so she'd come over to my house to have cordial. Oh, uh, yeah. It's little things like yeah. that. that makes... And you don't realise that someone thought that about you, that yeah. you were cool for having cordial. Oh, cute. <laughs> okay. So welcome to our next guest. Sam Allen is a dermal clinician and skincare educator from Aspect. So um, Hannah Sam actually did your Vizier scan. She did. Didn't I scream? You did? Yes. (laughs) I was so excited. And I just felt like there was not enough people around Mm. to like, but it was a really nice moment. (laughs) I was going to say, screaming with joy, by the way, not with horror. Yeah. The first time was with horror. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But it was. It was really, really nice to see that change after really not that long either. Yeah. Um, So pigmentation is a major concern for our customers. We get a hell of a lot of questions about pigmentation. So I wondered if you could actually start from the start. What is pigmentation? You know, that's such a good question because I think that is so confusing for so many people. And you're right, it's very relevant for Australia. So pigmentation really can mean colour if we look at it that way. But within within the industry, when we're talking about pigmentation, we're more so talking about brown discoloration on the skin. Mm -hmm. And that can really present in lots and lots of different ways. The thing I think to point out with pigmentation as well for suns, some skin types is it can be the first sign of ageing. Mm. Yeah. So it's not necessarily always the wrinkles and the fine lines that start to come through. Pigmentation can be those first signs to see that your skin is, mm-hmm. uh, is ageing. Um, and so it's really important to, to think about the signs that it's, it's giving you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what causes it? Again, the list is so long, which is what makes it so challenging when we're treating yeah. it. So number one, I think the thing we always need to come back to, especially in Australia, is sun exposure. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be one of the really big triggers for most people that they'll be seeing uh, yeah. when it comes to pigmentation developing on the skin. It can also be very strongly influenced by hormones yes. as well, hormonal imbalance, including stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, It can also be driven from inflammation as well, so any kind of trauma or inflammation within the skin. So would that be like post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation in that situation? Yes. So So those little marks that you get after a blemish. Yes. So really common after uh, some sort of blemish Mm -hmm. can also be, for example, after a surgical scar, but it can even be trauma from friction. Mm -hmm. So you do have some skin types that will get a browning or a discoloration in areas where they constantly have friction as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, sugar. Would that include under the arms? Yes. Yeah. Because a lot of people ask us about darkening under the arms. Yes. Yeah. And often, not always, but sometimes even darkening under the arms can be not just friction related, but it also can be hormonal related. Okay. Um, and very, very common in people that are diabetic. Okay. That have high sugar content as well. In terms of what you can, the pigmentation that you can see. So what was really interesting with the Vizier scan that I did was, um, I actually couldn't see any pigmentation on my face. Mm -hmm. Um, actually when I was younger, I used to get those little, when you go in the sun, you get the little brown spots on your nose. Yes. Freckles? It, well, it, they weren't freckles. They were like bigger than a freckle. It was oh. more like brown pigmentation on my nose. So okay. I'd be like, oh, so cute. How cute are my freckles coming out? <laughs> I don't think that they were like 
freckles that I think that was like pigmentation coming out. Or well, is that the same thing, freckles and pigmentation? It, it is. So all made by the same cell within mm-hmm. the skin that's driving that pigmentation, but it could be a little bit of a different type or it could present differently within your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a little bit larger, technically we might call that a macule. Mm-hmm. So, but essentially it is still that overproduction of pigment from sun exposure. Yeah. And so I guess for me, like I have talked about this in the podcast before, I worshipped the sun without sunscreen and I regret it sorely. Um, and so, but but I've been working really hard at getting my skin um, into good shape. And so when I did the Vizier scan, I didn't actually, couldn't actually see anything on the surface, but it came up on the scan as brown, like it was bad. That's the thing. Sometimes pigment almost simmers underneath and it's Mm. not necessarily that you see that straight away. Pigment's really tricky because it can sit in different layers of the skin. So ideally, the whole reason why it's made, particularly from sun exposure, is to protect our skin cells. And so what it does is gets made and almost injected into the upper layers of the skin. And if that happens, it's really easy to see by looking at yourself in the mirror. Yep. But what can also happen, particularly if there's um, damage that's occurred with that, so for example, really common for UV damage from the sun, is that that pigment can start to get deposited in the lower layers of the skin and that's much more difficult to see with the naked eye. Mm -hmm. And the way to almost think about that pigmentation and the way that we look at treating that type of pigmentation, it's almost deposited into those lower layers of the skin like a tattoo. Mm, but because it scary. is, in, yeah, <laughs> and because it is in those deeper layers, it's not necessarily that easy to see on the surface. But you put yourself in front of a, a Vizier scan, and you can definitely see all of that. That's and if underneath. people are seeing that stuff underneath, can they expect that to surface at some point? It can, especially mm. as you get older and the skin naturally thins, it yep. can become more obvious, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it also depends, I think, on how compliant you are moving forward in the future with your sun exposure and with the products that you're really using to treat and keep a lot of that pigmentation under control as well. So on that note, what ingredients in skincare do you recommend that people with pigmentation use? The list is so long, which is really exciting. I think with pigmentation, it is we still don't understand a lot of it. We still don't really understand exactly that mechanism of of what is happening within the skin. But what's so exciting at the moment is that there's so much technology out there. And the best thing to always think about when you're addressing pigmentation with a product is to look at products that have multiple active ingredients. Mm -hmm. Because there's lots of different um, steps, I suppose, you could think of when pigment's being made. And so if we can really target lots of those steps along the way, you tend to get a much, much better result. Mm -hmm. So that may be things like uh, L-ascorbic acid is fantastic. Uh, So your vitamin C. Yeah, which is your vitamin C. Coupling that with botanical extracts like Rumex Occidentalis is, again, is amazing. You could even look at things like nonapeptides that are helping with some of that blocking that communication that's happening to sort of trigger pigmentation formation in the first place. Niacinamide is amazing, retinol or vitamin A. The, the list is so long. The best advice I can say is to really look at something that is going to be multifaceted to give you the best results. Mm-hmm. And in terms of professional treatments, what kind of professional treatments should people look at if they're experiencing pigmentation? Yeah. The thing I would probably say when it comes to professional treatments is that thorough assessment is the most crucial thing because it really does depend on what's driving that pigmentation Mm -hmm. and where it's sitting within the skin. Because sometimes, as we were talking about before, that lower pigmentation, that deeper pigmentation, 
sometimes we need to address address that almost treating it like a tattoo. Mm-hmm. So there are some laser devices, for example. Oh, that is that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. it's like a tattoo, and you need a laser to remove it. Yeah, yeah, and that's not necessarily always the case. And this is where it's very difficult to say that there's one treatment. Yeah. Um, but breaking up that pigment that's deeper down and allowing the immune system to then take away those smaller particles mm-hmm. can be one aspect. And laser does that very, very well. Chemical peels are fantastic, again, at helping to, if we're talking about pigment in the upper layers of the skin, where we're really wanting to shift and move those heavily pigmented cells off the surface to brighten. So again, that's really uh, a great modality to offer as well. Uh, Microneedling or collagen induction therapy can Mm -hmm. also assist in some types of pigmentation especially when we're seeing that uh, coupled with a breakdown of the natural skin structure and integrity. Yep. So, for example, someone that's particularly sun damaged or mm-hmm. a lot of that pigment's from sun. We need to be really mindful when we're choosing treatments that the consultation is really taking everything into consideration. So if we know that somebody, for example, hyperpigments or has excess colour in the skin from trauma mm-hmm. and that happens very easily, then we need to be very mindful of what we're doing in a treatment and how much trauma we're creating. Yeah. Again, if there's that hormone influence, we need to factor that in. That's mm-hmm. really good advice. And yeah. what about pregnant women? Because obviously that's a time where a lot of women experience pigmentation who may have never experienced pigmentation before. So what do you recommend for them? Because obviously they've got to be careful about a few ingredients. So Absolutely. what's safe for them to use if they're pregnant or breastfeeding? Yeah, great question. And it is challenging. Again, when we're looking at uh, people that experience pigmentation when they're pregnant, it is about keeping it under control. So number one, absolutely, with any type of pigmentation, diligent sun compliance with Mm -hmm. sunscreens and SPF. So that would be um, one of the first points of call, I think, particularly for pregnant women. And then really looking at ingredients like your niacinamide, daisy extract is fantastic as well, nonapeptide that I mentioned before, your allascorbic acid. You would just stay away from things like your vitamin A's or retinols. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay away. Sometimes some pigment ingredients might include things like salicylic acid mm-hmm. that you might need to be mindful of. Some people that are pregnant would also like to stay away from alpha hydroxy acids or any yep. kind of a chemical exfoliant. Mm-hmm. I know my friend, I had dinner with her the other night, she has melasma Mm. and she actually was like, I I don't even know what to do anymore because she said it's so challenging to treat. Could you tell us a bit more about that? And she's absolutely right. Mm. I would say working clinically, and I won't give away how many years I've been working clinically (laughs) for because it's a little scary, but I would say pigmentation is one of the most challenging things to treat. And melasma, I think, is especially challenging. The thing to think about with melasma is that it is definitely hormonally driven. And so if there's any kind of hormonal imbalance, that may need to be addressed. I've also had experience where it's not just hormonal imbalance, but stress. Mm. I'll never forget having a client that I was treating. And at the time we were doing a treatment series every fortnight and she could literally come back one week and her melasma would look three shades darker than than two weeks before. Mm. And it was literally all stress related. So her melasma would change in Mm. tone according Mm. to what was going on in her lifestyle. Um, The other thing with melasma, why it makes it really difficult to treat 
Uh, and again, what some people will notice, you have great success in treating the brown or the pigment, but often with melasma, there's an underlying vascularity or redness in mm-hmm. the skin. And that does tend to really drive a lot of that excess pigment production. And so it's very, very important with melasma to um, factor in that you need to look at what that redness is like and what may be contributing to that, as well as looking at a lot of your products that are going to be addressing the pigmentation. And the other thing with melasma is that it's often very easily influenced by heat. Yeah. And so lifestyle and management is just as important as your treatment and your home care. So in that case, would it not be advised to use a laser treatment on someone with melasma because they're designed to heat up the skin? You're very, very careful with what the laser treatment would be that you would choose. So you can have some lasers, for example, like your Q-switch lasers Mm -hmm. um, that have a shorter pulse or what they do is they have a quicker delivery of light and they're not relying as much on that thermal or heat reaction Mm -hmm. to to cause a change within the skin. And so there's there's some evidence to suggest that they're a better option with melasma. But again, it's very much operator dependent and feeling confident that who you go to really understands the nature of the the concern and can really treat it in the right way. In terms of sun damage, I think I obviously know now that the best thing I could have done for my skin in my 20s was wear sunscreen every mm-hmm. day. Um, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast, but it, it is too late for me now. I've done it and I'm just trying to um, move on from that. Yeah. Can you reverse the signs um, of sun damage? Yes and no. So a lot of that sun damage and, you know, I can sympathise with you, Hannah, because when I grew up, unless you and your friends sat at the end of summer and peeled all the skin off your burning back, you hadn't had a great summer. So I I can tell. Wow. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm probably a little bit older, those of you that are listening. So, you know, sun sun protection was just non-existent when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I completely Mm. understand where you're coming from. You can reverse to a certain degree. Once the damage is there, the damage is there, but you can definitely attempt, you can limit the damage ongoing and you can certainly reverse in some ways but some of that damage will always remain and Mm -hmm. it's important that as you're exactly what you're doing you're doing all the right things in making sure that you're limiting that damage moving forwards and that you're really providing the skin with what it needs to be able to function as best as it can Mm -hmm. yeah so if you're in your 20s and you're listening to this wear your spf and even for younger so a lot of that sun damage happens before the age of 18 so I know yeah. you've talked about before yeah. with sunscreen, you know, mm-hmm. as a child having your mum slapping everything yeah. on for you but, and the teenage years where it's really hard to be non-compliant. My 13-year-old yeah. will kill me right now but <laughs> I'm facing that battle myself. Yeah. Um, and so I think anything that we can do from those early ages makes a huge difference. Well, thank you, Sam, for that chat. My I feel pleasure. like anyone with pigmentation is just going to be wrapped in that conversation. The one thing that I probably would also point out because – I, I actually love talking about pigmentation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to treat a lot about it in, the, in clinic. The one thing as well that I think is really important to to remember when treating pigmentation is that it is something that we can, we get great results in minimising the appearance. But once you've caused that cell that makes pigment to be overactive, we can't shut necessarily shut that off and have it go completely back to normal again. Mm-hmm. And so pigmentation is very much a maintenance issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not something that you can say, okay, I've treated it now with a, a great laser treatment or a fantastic peel, for example, 
and then it's done and dusted. It's always being compliant. It yep. is long-term maintenance as mm-hmm. well. The other thing as well is that it can be very long-term to get results depending on the type of pigmentation. Someone did say that to me. It, they how, were like, driving it. don't expect this is going to happen in a month or two months or three months. This is like a long-term game for you. Yeah. Um, I'm in it for the long haul. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're here for to help you through it. But, but I think that that's very important. Consistency number one and yes realistic expectations because yeah. it's um it's a it's a challenging thing but again you can get great results with commitment mm. awesome thanks sam thanks, my sam. pleasure great to be here So, Hannah, I really am looking forward to you sharing this um, with our listeners because yes. you came into work and you were so proud of yourself a, for I'm this like, innovation. I'm an innovator. So I'm please a- tell us what the product is that you didn't know you needed. I'd like to revisit a cringy convo that we talked about really early on, which was about bacne. It wasn't that long ago, was it? Oh, feels, time flies. Feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, and basically the other day I came into the office <laughs> I don't want to tell this story. You have to tell it. You were like, it's my product. I didn't know I needed it. <laughs> I came into the office and I was wearing, um, I didn't look at my back and I was wearing a, a boob tube top and it was a hot day and Joanna, like I sat down, she goes, oh, can I squeeze that pimple on your back? <laughs> and I was like. That's what a good friend does, by the way. Um, it's pretty weird. I squeezed out ingrown hairs from my friend's underarm the other day. Oh, okay. That's how good of a friend I am. But you are a really good friend. Yeah. I thought that was only that thing that couples did. Because mm. I know couples like no. squeeze back pimples. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty close with all my friends. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I was just like, um, I think I'm just going to put my jacket on. So I ended up wearing my jacket for the whole day and it was really embarrassing. No, you actually went and got a spot treatment. And you oh, were rubbing I the did. spot treatment I put on the, it. But I can hardly. And then I had to move your arm so that you could get it. Yeah. And so, and so um, but it wasn't just that one pimple. I actually had a bump, very bumpy back. Mm. It wasn't pimples. It was like all bumps. Yeah. What would you call that? Oh, congestion, congestion. probably. Yeah. Um, so basically um, I think one of the main reasons that that's been happening is because I, I, I know that we chose that. Um, glycolic scrub because probably most people can get to their back some way. I cannot get to my back. Mm -hmm. Like I can't get my arm that far. So I have a little solution for all you girls that aren't as flexible as Joanna. Mm -hmm. So it is the Ordinary Glycolic Acid 7% Toning Solution. Now it comes in a um, bottle, like a really big bottle. It is $14.50. This will last you a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And basically you screw off the lid and then what I did was I had this old – Alpha H moisture producing facial mist, like it's a yeah, uh, like a spray bottle um, from Alpha H, and I unscrewed the spray nozzle off the facial mist and I popped it onto the glycolic acid bottle, and basically um, every night now before I go to bed, I just spray my back with this glycolic acid solution, and you were like when I came in, I the couldn't next believe day, it. It cleared up in one day. One it might have been day. two days, but oh, yeah. I saw a significant difference. Significantly better, yeah. And so basically, all of the bumps disappeared. However, yeah. the only issue was the other day you were taking a photo of me at the nail salon, and you yeah. were like, "Your back is so white." Yeah, she had like her um, head turned around, and so it was like. 
her face was really brown and then her back was so I white. Can't, I still can't I still can't tan my back yeah. or I just can't be bothered. Gotta get you onto speed dating. I know. <laughs> Fix that. You gotta get me onto what? Speed dating. Why? So that someone can tan your back. Oh. <laughs> wow, I was slow yeah. on the uptake there. <laughs> Anyway, that's my product I didn't know I needed and it's um, just really cheap but really effective. Mm. What's your product you didn't know you needed? Um, so this is something I only discovered this year, which um, is kind of disturbing to me because I've worked in beauty for a long time, but it is the MAC Long Wearing Paint Pot in the shade Groundwork. Now, this is like a probably a mix between a eyeshadow and an eye base or primer, um, and I didn't realise how much this would impact the way I do my makeup. Like I can't describe to you how much longer my eyeshadow lasts on my eyes when I wear this product. And I also use it on its own. I didn't even know you had to prime your eyes. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But um, <laughs> what? why do you have to prime your eyes? Because all the oils and things on your eyelids impact the powder that uh, you put on. them. Is that why when like, a, like after a couple of hours I have like stripes? Creasing through oh, the – Oh, it's called creasing. Yep, yeah. <laughs> But also your <laughs> eyeshadow never – I've noticed yours doesn't last very long and be, it's probably because you were an oilier skin type. Yes, yes. Um, so I just found that my eyeshadow would go really dull after a couple of hours um, and then I started using the paint pot, which mm-hmm. comes in multiple shades, but I use groundwork. It's like a torpy brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can use that on its own, but then I also layer it underneath um, shadows so that they like are more pigmented and they last longer and it has been an absolute game changer for my eyeshadow. Like I can't stress enough the importance of using an eye primer. Since since we've discussed eyes and eyeshadow and primer, I've, mm. so I've been using concealer. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just, dab- just putting a base down and it gives the um, powder something to adhere to. Um, okay, so I did I did see this meme last night and I just feel like it, people love our t- – so every single week we do Tell Us Tuesday on our Instagram stories and people really like to get an insight into the Adore Beauty office and I thought this summed it up really well. So basically it's this graph that says having a job, expectations versus reality. Yeah. So expectations, wearing a suit every day except for casual Fridays. Working nonstop at my desk, constantly meeting lots of attractive businessmen, fun after work plans with my friends. <laughs> Rick, this is so the reality. Yeah. The only day I dress nice is Fridays because that's when I actually have evening plans. Snacking nonstop at my desk. There is one mildly attractive guy and he's married. And we all we have that no, And no we fans. all and we all cancel on each other to go home and sleep. Oh, my God, how, that's so true. How much is that a door? Yes. Like, literally, when I was at uni, I was like, I can't wait. There's going to be so many hot businessmen and it's going to be like, I'm going to be wearing suits. I yeah. honestly thought that's what it would be like. I only yeah. hang out with women, so yeah, it's I know. a I mean, bit problematic. My sister said to me last night, she's like, I don't know where you're going to meet someone. Yeah. Because <laughs> all you do is hang out mm. with beauty-obsessed women all day. Yeah. It's fun though. Uh, we, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love hanging out with you, Joe. Oh, same here. Okay. Well, that's it, guys. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. 